Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. It's been a blessing this morning, hasn't it? Family matters has been the theme. I'm going to stick with that, even though this is a special Sunday. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, just the, the, the importance of taking out the debris in our marriage, taking out the debris, uh, removing marital debris. We've already talked to, uh, by way of establishing where we've been. That the idea of marriage is not ours. It was not our culture's Obviously, it started in a garden in innocence, and God performed the first wedding. Remember that? Hey, there's only been one perfect couple, and it didn't last very long, did it? There's never been a perfect family, Uh, but God started with Adam and Eve, and he performed the first marriage. The foundation of marriage, therefore, by way of remembering where we've been, is found in Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 25. It began with God. The home is God's idea. Your marriage has a heavenly designer. Secondly, we We reminded you that the function of marriage is a special composite unity, companionship, a deepening relationship. Husbands and wives, how are you doing with that primary calling? Uh, Can anybody remember the verse that says it is not good for what? Man to be alone. Some of the men are quoting that. Some of the women are rolling their eyes. Uh, It is not good. The Lord recognized that. And so he established the home. Marriage is then a mutual, permanent, exclusive commitment. We could call it a covenant between a man and a wife. It does include pleasure, procreation, but it is designed primarily by God as a safe haven for intimacy and partnership. Pastor, why can't we just live together? Uh, Because without the covenant of marriage, the promise of loyalty and faithfulness There is no, biblically, there is no marriage. That is the basis, that promise, that covenant you make uh, to that one you will marry before witnesses and a preacher. I'm going to give you my life, and for my life, I'm going to be faithful and loyal to you. That comprises marriage. And that covenant is really what fosters a deep kinship, a deep relationship. So the foundation is God. The function of marriage is really, to solve the issue of aloneness and intimacy and companionship. Then we talked about the focus of marriage from Ephesians chapter 5, and that is Christ. It is a ministry that really should portray, your family should be a portrait to the world of what Jesus looks like in regards to his love for his own bride, the church. We mentioned the, the history, human history, started with a wedding in the garden. And then, uh, when he came to earth, his first miracle was at Cana at a wedding. And one day, he's going to call his bride home. And those of us who are truly believers will be swept up in the arms of our heavenly groom, where we will enjoy a, a wedding in heaven. Are you ready for getting ready for that? It'd be wonderful. God is getting the church, the bride of Christ, ready for that wedding. He's purifying for himself a beautiful bride. And God has throughout Scripture, all the pages of Scripture, time after time, taken His heavenly paintbrush, and He's painted for us a picture of His love, often in the context of human relationships and human marriages. 
Remember the preacher who was called to marry the prostitute. And God is telling us through Homer and goes uh, um, uh, through um, Hosea and Gomer the wonderful truth that here is God's love in the extreme through Solomon and the Shulamite. How deep is the Father's love for us? And then on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice of Christ, the bridegroom for his church. And then Ephesians 5 says, you are to live in such a way, husbands and wives, with your families, in order that those around you may be taken up with the great love of Christ. That is our ministry in marriage. All that by way of the runway, uh, to remind you again of where we've been. Today's message is really more of a two or three devotional uh, thoughts. I have not I realize that I don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to just share some things that might be, we could actually have a list of a hundred things, but I'm going to share two or three things that would help us remove some of the hindrances, the, we'll call it the debris of junk and sinfulness and bad habits in our marriages, lives, and families that would hinder the grace of God to be expressed fully as a portrait. A man bought a new dryer and the tag inside said, for peak efficiency, Keep the filter free of debris. I began to think about that, and I counted up the filters that I have in my own house. And uh, we began a list, and there is, of course, the well that I have. We're on a well there. There's a dryer. I've got vacuums, a fridge, air handlers, dishwasher. I have at least 10 filters that I have to maintain to keep things running at peak efficiency in our home. Maybe you're like that. That doesn't even count. My mower, my two vehicles, and my computer. So, Pastor, what in the world does the filter of marriage in mean? What does that mean? How do I keep that clean? Let me mention again three ways in rather rapid-fire succession. And hopefully today, if this applies to you, you can go home, married folks, and clean some filters. Perhaps you need to do that. First of all, I want to talk about the, the, the filter of the dirt of exhaustion. I thought this would be a wonderful Sunday to bring this up. Some of you already have your eyes spinning about all the things that you need to do and get ready for. Uh, ready or not, school is coming, and you think about the schedule that you keep and the grocery list that you got to keep up with and all the chores of life that you have and maintaining all these schedules, and they're only going to get busier because of school, the field trips and all the books and the homework and Probably right now, some of you teachers are overwhelmed with the fact that you have a schedule that is really, really getting crowded. Did you know that over-busyness can be a real threat to your home and family? The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, God, and all these things shall be added to you. Keeping first things first as school starts on Monday. Some of you, already school has begun. Exhaustion. You're tired already. And the schedule hasn't even ramped up yet. The Bible says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can you remember verse 2? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. There is a stillness. 
There is a peace and quietness. There is a partnership with the Lord that you need in your family, in your marriage, or everything will come apart. In our text before us this morning, Exodus chapter 33, Moses is getting ready to embark on a, he didn't know it yet, a 40-year journey with the, uh, the, the millions of the Israelites. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou saith unto me, Bring up this people, verse 12 of chapter 33, Bring up this people. Lead them. Yet thou hast not let me know whom I will send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight. This is a private conversation that Moses is having at the onset of this, this onerous journey. Show me now thy way that I might know thee. Maybe... As a parent, you're feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff that you need to do. So he asked the Lord, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight and consider this nation as thy people. One of our sessions was about the fact that your children are not yours, they're God's. You're just the steward of these children. These are your people. You see Moses, you've given them to me, but I'm giving them back to you. And the the Lord said, verse 14, Mark this, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Moses said to him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us Not up hence. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, I don't want to simply take off in ministry, be the big leader here without your presence and your power and your wisdom. Parents, understand this in your marriage and in your family. Peace is not the result, perhaps, of four vacations in a row or less less activity. Peace is about the presence of God and the centrality of your worship. We mentioned how important family altar is. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Dads, it is up to you as the family shepherd, the family priest, to bring a sense of calm to your house. If we were to sneak in the front door or the back door, side door of your house, how crazy is it? Well, sometimes busyness is overwhelming, but is there a sense of peace? Remember what the Lord says in Matthew 11? All you are weary and overwhelmed. Weary with life, come unto me and you shall find rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you'll find rest or peace to your souls. There's a direct correlation between God's presence and his peace. So parents, schedules may exhaust you, sports activities, your job, doctor's appointments, homework, field trips, grocery lists, life is busy. But before long, you might find yourself wondering, why am I so tired? I was doing some research on this. Do you know three generations ago or four, um, people were more at rest than they are now, but they had a whole lot less conveniences. Did you know back in the day that the average family had eight children? Raise your hand if you have at least eight kids. That was average. Three or four generations ago, they had no washing machines, dishwashers, running water, no clothes dryers that collected lint in the filters. 
No cell phones, refrigerators, disposable diapers. Ladies, you want to return to that? TVs, frozen dinners, microwaves, none of that. And again, averaging eight children. With all these conveniences, they still found time to be more at rest than we do with all these things to make life easier. Be careful about choices that you make, parents, married folks. You don't have to keep up with the goers and doers, the movers and shakers. You are responsible for, before God and your family for bringing rest to your family. If you aren't slowing your life, parents, may I speak to you for a minute? Not just teachers, but if you're not slowing your life down enough where God has preeminence, you're too busy. And teachers, remember how important church is. If on Wednesdays, prayer meeting, and if on Saturdays through the weekend, you give your kids so much homework that they use that as an excuse. Now, sometimes it is. You make time for God in their lives, how important it is. Rest. We've got to know the joy of lying down by still waters. The beauty of the be stills in Scripture. The selah in Scripture. Selah means stop for a second. Take a deep breath. Meditate on the passage before you. Understand how great God is. The Scripture is full of those. Consider your ways. Are you going already at such a pell-mell pace that God is marginalized in your life? Before it gets even crazier, you got to understand that God is the person of rest. Be still and know that I am God. Then remove the dirt of contention, fighting, squabbles. I could have picked a hundred things to mention. I picked three this morning. Eliminate the debris of contention. Is every night at your house fight night? Is there just a squabble going on all the time? It's okay to have differences of opinion, but it's never okay to be what? Contentious, quarrelsome. Proverbs 21.19 says, It is better to dwell in the wilderness or in a corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman. No amens, please. From whence cometh wars and fighting among you? James asked the question, where do they come from? Don't they come from your own lusts in your heart? You desire to have often the wrong things and ensuing battles take place. Wives, if you are in the habit of raising your voice against your husband continually, you will raise children who use the same tone of voice with you. Mark it down. We need to practice the gracious appeal. Ladies, God has placed you in a place in the role and the structure of marriage that you are to appeal to your husband with a sweet spirit, even though you may disagree with him. Did you know that the strongest weapon, speaking now to the ladies, the strongest weapon you have is not a frying pan across the head. Scripturally, 1 Peter 3.1 says, Likewise also ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, even if you're married to a rascal, that's the translation, if any obey not the word, here's the, here's the uh, instruction, he may, they may also without the word be won by the conduct of the wives. Anger begets anger. How do I stop my kids from yelling at one another? Ever wonder that? 
Here's what you do. This is what my, it worked in our home. Uh, where, where I grew up, dad would just say this. Kids, stop that right now. Stop using that tone of voice. Stop arguing with one another. Stop fighting. Do you understand me? If you do not, you will have a private appointment with me in my bedroom. That usually worked. You say, Pastor, what went on in the privacy of the bedroom there? That's next Sunday's message. Don't miss it. Spanking, is it for today? Some of you may not be back, but I I encourage you to come. Did you know the Bible has something to say about that? And I knew that when my dad was speaking about a private meeting in his bedroom, it was never a good thing for me. Never was. He used to say, this this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. It it waited until I became a father before I fully understood that. Uh, One time I said, Dad, if it's okay, would would you allow me to spank you then? And and, uh, he didn't go for that. So, we are to stop fighting. Dad had a way of looking at in the rearview mirror and saying, guys, you've got to change your attitude and do it right now or I'll stop the car. And that, again, not a good thing. It was amazing when Dad would look us in the eye and say that sort of thing, how quickly our attitude could change. Do you know your children don't have to have a continual fight, quarrel going on in your home? Parents, you can stop it. And God places uh, that stewardship in your hands. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16, If any man seems to be contentious, we have no such custom. Speaking to adults, neither the churches of God. I was thinking about our church. And there's, you know, quiet people don't get a lot of attention. Non-contentious people don't get a lot of attention. But I quickly, as I was studying this week, put three, day, three names down immediately. They just came to my mind as non-contentious people. Peaceful people. Billy English. Have you ever seen him throw a hymn book at anybody? Right here he is. I mean, just the sweetest guy in the world. Wright Garbutt. Where's Wright? I won't ask Carol any personal questions about Wright, but I've never seen him upset. Have you? What a sweet-hearted spirit. Tim Lee. Work with him nearly every day. Uh, Just a gentle, sweet spirit. And so the Lord, through Paul, says, If any person is inclined to disputations, angry quarrels, it is not in keeping with the church. And he was saying that in the culture where every day there was these big philosophical debates down at the town square. And Paul is saying, we are not like that. Because what we teach is not some new philosophy. It is a doctrine that comes from God ingrained and engrafted in the Word, and it's not up for negotiation. Right is always right. And so the preacher is to come with authority from the Word of God and say what he says, and it's not up for contention or debate in the context of church. So, number one, uh, remove from that filter, of course, that over-busyness that isn't ever godliness, and then quarrelsome speech, contentious behavior. James 1.19 is a great little cartoon. If I were your husband, I'd poison your coffee. If you were my wife, I'd drink it. I hope that kind of conversation never happens in your home. Do all things, the Bible says what? Without murmurings and disputings, contention. Don't allow your children to whine and complain. Put a stop to that. It's not right. It's not godly. 
force them to memorize these kinds of verses. James 1.19, every man should be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Undoubtedly, one of your children has a hotter temper than the rest. That's how God blesses you. At least one of your children will be um, super motivated, and the doctors will put labels on him, but sometimes he just needs to understand the truth, to be slow to wrath. The dust of exhaustion, exhaustion, the debris of contention. One more thing this morning, and then we'll be done. The dirt of ingratitude, unthankfulness. Let's put a stop to that. Let's take that debris, the dirt of unthankfulness out of our homes. Do you know unthankfulness breeds all kinds of sins? Romans chapter 1 tells us that. That it begins, that declension that leads to a reprobate mind, and that list in Romans 1 is quite long. But it starts with what? It starts with, they knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God, neither were they thankful. Uh, the default mode is so easy to be one of criticism and unthankfulness and bitterness and griping. Um, have you noticed how great we are as families about unthankfulness and criticism? James tells us, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, James 3, 5. Then verse 9, it says about our tongues, we bless God, and I can hear that in the foyer, great sermon preacher, and on the way we roast him, way home we roast him, don't we? Great sermon, love that. We, uh, we bless God with our tongues, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And then the verse that was my favorite as growing up in our home with my mother, my missionary mom, uh, Ephesians 4.32, she would make my brothers say that to me and vice versa, be kind, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake. hath forgiven that short list of sins that you've done. No, no. Christ on the cross blotted out the handwriting against you. And I dare say, dear friend, if you're anything like me, that list from the heavens to the earth, one sin after another, if God can forgive, son, you must learn how to forgive. If God can forgive, wife, you must learn how to forgive. If God can forgive all your sins, husband, you must learn how to forgive. The dirt of ingratitude is fueled when all we can think of is how bad we have it. Just change your thinking. I, I, I'm so maligned. I'm so mistreated. I'm so abused. Stop thinking that way. What did they do to the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf? Plucked his beard, whipped his back, put him on a cross and crucified him for your redemption. Somebody said a pessimist is someone who has been seasick the whole journey of life. <laughs> People think of you that way. That guy's always seasick, always complaining, always griping about something. You ought to be known as the most joyful person in all the world. You've been saved. Amen. 
been saved by the precious blood, been forgiven, been adopted, been redeemed. Uh, and I, I know that my father told you about how he stopped the complaining spirit in our car. He would just simply say, that's, that's it. We're not going to speak that way, but the Bible also says we're to put off and put on. So we're to stop the sin, stop the complaining, stop the ingratitude. And then my dad would say, we're going uh, to be thankful, starting with you in the back seat. What's, what are you thankful for? Got real quiet. Isn't it amazing how we can have a long list of things we're not thankful for and we're criticizing, but when somebody says, turn that table, now think of the things you're happy, grateful for, how quiet it gets. Often in counseling, an embittered wife will sit there in front of me and begin a, a laundry list. I mean, it can go on and on. Have you noticed that? And I will finally stop her or him, can be the other way around, and I'll ask the question, so why did you ever marry this rat, <laughs> this person? What did you see in him? It gets quiet, doesn't it? The Bible says uh, the cure for complaint is praise and thanksgiving. We're to do all things, not some, all things without what? Murmuring or complaining? Murmuring or complaining. Numbers 11 verse 1 said, When the children of Israel complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Is it a big deal to be unthankful? Sure it is. Consume them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Ungrateful people tend to sit towards, I'm not picking on back ropey, but they tend to go to the periphery. And you'll hear them griping and complaining, not, not necessarily at a, a testimony service, certainly, but here and there, they just have this bad habit of complaining. They have the gift of criticism, and, and they like to stir things up in the corners and in the dark places. And the Lord heard that in the uttermost part of the camp, and it, it, it so incensed him. You think complaining isn't a big deal to the Lord? Criticism isn't a big deal to the Lord? He simply smote them, struck them down because of their bitter spirit. Robin, I was um, thinking how much I just take you for granted. Robin is my wife, by the way, for those of you who are new to our church today. And Saturday morning, I woke up. And I began a little list in my brain of how many things she does in my home. Do you know that cured me instantly of my list of gripes? And I don't have a big list. Husband, why did you marry her? Well, you certainly saw many cherishable thoughts and traits in her. And you got to think about those things and highlight those. I'm thankful for you. We don't say it enough. We just expect people to know, don't we? Keep on working, keep on serving, and we never take time to say thank you. A card, a phone call, a little, a, 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 just a poem. You say, I'm not a poet. Well, try it. Uh, just let people know how much they mean to you, often at a funeral I'll hear the long list of how sweet people were and 
how great was their influence. And my thought is always one of personal regret. Why do we wait till that moment to say what we should have said all along? And I know some of you are so good at that. I'm not, but it's one of those things the Lord is working me over. Thankfulness. Don't wait till Thanksgiving to be thankful. Here's a, one of the benefit packages, Psalm 103. The whole psalm is great. Let's end with this, shall we? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do you know that you can bless the Lord? He blesses you. But did you know that you can bless the Lord? You can. How? By your gratitude. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, not part of what all. Some of you Georgia Dogs fan, I've seen you jump up and leave the ground. Getting so excited about a touchdown. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. When's the last time you've left, elevated yourself into the air? Certainly not at a Baptist church. That wouldn't be proper, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And please, please forget not all His benefits. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.